0: following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. So if you're new with us or visiting this morning, um, we are studying the New City Catechism together. Uh, and that's a book that you can buy or a free app that you can download on your phone that has questions and answers, both the, both the adults and the kids' version as well as... Um, biblical text and commentary that go along with it. Um, and the we've got groups studying that. Um, and if more people want to do that, let me know, and we can do that together too. Uh, I do have just one other potentially noticeable thing um, to, to say before we jump into the sermon. Um, today is Championship Sunday. Uh, Eva is not here, or if she was, she would ask for prayer for her team Um we have a championship game at noon in Barnstead, which is an hour from here. So let's get on to point three of the sermon. <laughs> I said I slimmed it down from one point to a half a point. So <laughs> so that's, that's what's going on. I'm, I'm happy that I was able to greet most of you on the way in because I'm not going to be able to greet you on the way out. Um, I'm going to take off for the game. So uh, be, please be praying for Eva. Uh, and myself and the team, it's a great opportunity to share the love of Jesus with people that are not coming here, that are not joining us yet. Yet, Yet. right? Okay, so let's uh, turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. We're continuing our study in the Gospel of Luke uh, with verses 57 through 62, and that's on page 868 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. I have to admit that the last few weeks really feel like we've been run through the ringer Um, uh, by Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, along with his disciples. So I commend you for coming back. This has been hard. Um, And I want very much to preach on the many blessings and quiet and peaceful living that comes along with following Jesus But I'm afraid that is not going to happen today. Uh, In fact, if we've been run through the ringer so far, I'm afraid today we might get drugged through the knothole backwards. (sighs) But this is all for our good. So let's read Luke 9, 57 through 62, and we'll pray and ask the Lord's help. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Boxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my Father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your great love for us. We are thankful for your word that you have provided, protected for us to read and to know you. We thank you for the authority that you have placed in your word to show us the truth, to show us what it really means to follow Jesus. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak, not my words, but yours, that you would all refine us so that we would be a little more like Jesus as a result of our time together in your word. We give you permission, Lord, to rearrange the furniture of our lives to make us more like you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we have... Um, Three examples of those who would follow Jesus. But each of them has, to put it politely, a bit of a concern. I have some concerns, Jesus, about this idea. The truth is, their concern is really just an excuse. And we have to remember that Jesus is dealing with individuals here, right? Three individuals, and he always deals with individuals individually, Right? But we can learn from the principles laid down here by Jesus, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to apply them to our own lives. Right? I wonder if any of you can remember back to the first commandment. What is it? You shall have no other gods before me. Right? God the Father is number one. Now, if you re- if you um, Maybe you recall what Jesus referred to as the greatest commandment. Lord, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, in our catechism, we've been working through um, question nine asks us specifically, what does God require in the first commandment? And the the answer, of course, you all remember, (laughs) that that we know and trust God as the only true living God. Well, this is exactly what Jesus is dealing with in these three examples. It's what it looks like to put God first by following Jesus. What it looks like to have no other gods before him. Verse 57 says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, in Matthew's account of this interaction, in Matthew chapter 8, um, he tells us that this man is a scribe. Luke leaves that detail out, uh, but Matthew included it, and it's important for us to understand. It's important information for us so that we can get a better understanding of Jesus' response to this person's energetic offer to follow him. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Okay, are you sure? In the New Testament... Scribes were educated, leading men in society. They filled a number of roles in government as well as in the religious hierarchy of Israel. These were guys who were used to a certain standard of living. Today, uh, our modern vernacular might refer to them as the elite. These are guys that had a high, high standard of living. So when this guy in his exuberance says to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus fills him in a little on what that might look like so he can consider the difference. He says in verse 58, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So is Jesus telling this guy, No. I'll follow you wherever you go, Jesus. Does Jesus say, No. No. He says, You may want to think about that you may want to consider what you're saying. He is telling him that following him would come at a cost. Now, Jesus didn't have a nice home with a soft, comfy memory foam bed and an orthopedic pillow, right? Oh, sorry, that's my house. Jesus lived a, a life of humble poverty, Traveling from place to place, preaching and teaching about the kingdom. He didn't stay at the Ritz. He stayed on the ground. Or he he depended on the benevolence of others and stayed in other people's homes. He didn't own them. To follow him meant that the scribe would have to give up his comfortable lifestyle of high society and to be willing to live as Jesus lived. Following Jesus would come at a cost. For this guy, it would come at the cost of his material wealth and possessions. You'd have to give that up if he were to follow Jesus wherever he went. Now, contrary to the opinion of some, following Jesus does not promise health and wealth and prosperity. Instead, it requires us to forsake all that stuff, to put it in its proper place in following Jesus. There's nothing wrong with good health. Thank you, Lord. There's nothing wrong with wealth. Thank you, Lord. But it needs to be put in its proper place. What's the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. The Bible is very clear that you cannot serve both God and money. It has to be put in its proper place. Following Jesus does not promise ease and comfort. Jesus promises trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, period. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Right. John Calvin wrote about this example. He said, Let us therefore look upon ourselves as warned in this person, not to boast likely and at ease that we will be disciples of Christ, while we are taking no thought of the cross or of afflictions, but on the contrary, to consider early what sort of condition awaits us. The first lesson, lesson which he gives us on entering his school is to deny ourselves and take up his cross. To deny ourselves and take up his cross. Well, that's fun. Let's look at the second example. I'm sorry, it's not even a one-point sermon. I, I hate to say it, there are three. <sighs> That's the cost of following Jesus. (laughs) So the second example, this time Jesus calls a man to follow him. The first one volunteered and the second one Jesus calls. Verse 59, he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, as I read and studied this and read some of the commentators, there's actually a lot of differing opinions on the actual state of this man's father. Um, whether he was actually dead or just really old and near death. Like, I don't think it's really all that complicated considering Jesus' response to the man's excuse, but you know, maybe he's on his way out. Lord, I'll join you, but I mean, the clock is ticking. Let me take care of this. Um, the man didn't tell Jesus, No, I won't follow you, when he was called. He just asked if he could take care of some important business first, some family stuff seems reasonable, doesn't it? You're not nodding your head. You're being set up. It's a trap, right? Now, understand in first century, the tradition is to bury the dead on the day that they died, right? That's not our tradition here. Um, Jesus could very well have called this man straight out of the funeral procession. You think about that for a minute. And his response was, um, I'll be right with you but I've got I to gotta do this. Uh, let, me, let me just go bury my dad and I'll be right with you. And Jesus says, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Anybody that thinks that like Jesus really is like the flannel graph pictures and the coloring book pictures of niciness, you got to take a look at this. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But you, go proclaim the kingdom of God. Let the physically dead be buried by the spiritually dead. Don't be like that. Don't be one of them. Come and follow me, right? This seems pretty harsh. But at the principal level, Jesus is reminding us that our primary responsibility is to the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of men, not the kingdom of this world, not the kingdom of the dead. He's calling this man to make a courageous decision to leave behind his familial responsibilities in order to proclaim the kingdom. Our favorite theologian, J.J. Van Oosterzee, he wrote, duty to a handful of dust must now give way before duty towards mankind. Duty to a handful of dust Must now give way. When the spirit is separated from the body, the body is nothing more than dust. And our responsibility is to mankind to proclaim the gospel to those who are spiritually dead, so that physical death is not the end, but the beginning. And that's what the proclamation of the gospel really is our duty towards mankind so that people will know how to no longer be spiritually dead. Again, John Calvin wrote about this example. He said he intends only to show that whatever withdraws us from the right course or holds us back in it deserves no other name than death. Those only live, he tells us, who devote all their thoughts and every part of their life to obedience to God. While those that do not rise above the world, who devote themselves to pleasing men and forget God, are like dead men who are idly and uselessly employed in taking care of the dead. This is a hard point. This isn't any fun at all. I, as I stand here thinking about how I've got to probably break the speed limit to get to a softball game and leave you all behind, my duty is towards mankind, and I coach that softball team that those kids and those parents might know Jesus. I'm glad you're all here. Talk amongst yourselves. (laughs) This man that Jesus called could expect his relatives to balk at his leaving his father, to be buried by others in order to follow Jesus, to leave behind what his family would consider his responsibilities to his extended family. To follow Jesus with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength will most likely raise the ire of our families and those that we are close to if they don't follow Jesus in the same way. Or if at all. They might think that we take this Jesus thing way too seriously. Like you were a lot of fun before you got all religious. We've turned into some kind of religious fanatic. Jesus said that way is the way of death. Not just being reasonable, being temperate with your faith stuff. That's the way of death. The way the spiritually dead think. We can't let that stop us from following Jesus according to his word. I'm, I'm going to say that again. We cannot let that stop us from following Jesus according to his word. It's a hard point. It's hard. In verse 61, there's a third man that says he wants to follow Jesus. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, we've just had some folks put in a nice garden out here at the church, uh, at the church building. So this example, for some of you, might be really fresh. Um, Nobody can rototill a straight line while looking over their shoulder. This is exactly what Jesus said, right? You cannot plow a straight line like this. You can plow that way, or you can plow that way, but you cannot plow a straight line. Now, I'm pretty sure that they didn't have rototillers. I'm not sure Briggs and Stratton was around. First century plows were one-handed devices. One-handed thing attached to a yoke of oxen, right? So there's a yoke across, and that's attached to this long hook dealio. That's a, yeah, Google it. You'll see it, All right. Turning around and looking at the furrow you've just made is going to result and at the very least, a crooked line, and at worst, a flipped plow. It's going to come out of the ground. You have to pay attention. This was a mark of a bad farmer. When you walk by your neighbor's house, and his corn rows are all wee What kind of? I wrote it, wee-wah. It's a thing. Just Google it. Stop asking questions. I got to get out of here. crooked rows were a mark of an easily distracted farmer or someone with divided attention seeing what what's going on behind you and following Jesus requires singular devotion this man while professing in words that he would follow his would follow Jesus turned his back on him until he could take care of his worldly business i got company i just i got to go Take care of the household, say goodbye, and do all of that. I think that Jesus is making a reference to the calling of Elisha in 1 Kings 19. It's a really neat uh, account. You can look it up. Well, Elijah uh, Elijah called Elisha to follow him, and Elijah did allow Elisha to go uh, kiss his mother and father goodbye. Um, This man who said he wanted to follow Jesus was reluctant to separate and break from the world. This man wanted to put his hand to the plow while looking backwards at his life, remembering what it was like and hanging on to those things. But Elisha, he was also plowing when Elijah came and called him to follow him. Do you know what Elisha did? He burned the yokes. He sacrificed the oxen and cooked them on the burning yokes and gave them to the neighborhood and then followed Elijah. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is worthy of following Jesus. When we're called to follow Jesus, we too must burn the yokes. Forget it. Give it up, whatever the worldly thing is, and follow Jesus. That doesn't mean quit your job, sell your house, leave your family. All of that stuff has to come second. Following Jesus is first. The simple principle in all three of these examples is the same, is that there is a cost to following Jesus, just like the heading in your Bible says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. No excuses. No compromise. No half-heartedness. Burn the yokes. Cook the oxen. Follow Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit, because without the help of your Holy Spirit, we are not going to be able to apply these principles. We need your help to put you first in our lives. We need constant reminders of our pursuits, whether or not they are about following you and obeying your word or about pleasing ourselves or our neighbor's. Lord, help us to put you first in our lives. Help us to look at everything that we do and all of our pursuits through that lens. Is this about following Jesus with my whole heart? Or is this about something else? Father, we are grateful for your love for us and we are grateful for your grace because we get this wrong all the time. We're so thankful that you sent the Redeemer, that you sent Jesus to buy us back to yourself. He paid the price in his own flesh to pay the debt that we owed you for our sin. And Lord, if there's anyone here that has not uh, received that gift of forgiveness, I pray that they would call out to you in faith, even in the quietness of their own hearts, to ask for your forgiveness, to admit that they have sinned against you, and accept that Jesus paid the penalty on the cross that they deserve. I pray that you would adopt them as your children, fill them with your Holy Spirit, connect them to your church. We're so grateful, Lord, for all that you have done and continue to do. I pray that your blessing would be on your people and that we would be a blessing to you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipi, New Hampshire, 03890.